I was um, just praying for this morning and uh, the one word that uh, God really pressed upon me was the word overflow. And uh, the verse that kind of God led me to this was uh, from Romans 15 and verse 13. It says this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may overflow in hope. You may overflow in hope. God wants to fill you to overflowing this morning. That's, that's his heart for the church, that we'd be an overflowing people, that right throughout the scriptures, God speaks of his people being filled to overflowing with himself. And so I just want to invite the Holy Spirit, and we just want to give him space to come and fill us to overflowing. Do you want to be filled to overflowing? While we were worshipping, uh, God just reminded me of that little nursery rhyme, I'm a little teapot. I'm sure we could probably all do the, the words and the actions. Short and stout, tip me up and pour me out. A teapot is made to be filled to overflowing, to be poured out. And so I just think that's what God wants to do with us this morning. So Holy Spirit, you come to fill us with joy and with peace and with hope so that we are overflowing. So we are just going to wait and see what you want to do with us this morning. We are open vessels to you. So just come and move. Just be open to what he wants to do in this moment. We've got time. We've got space. This is his house. So just let him move. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. overflowing joy in people's lives. I pray for overflowing peace right now. I pray for overflowing hope even in the face of despair and anger and fear. Jesus. Just keep waiting. He's not in any rush. Thank you, Lord.
uh, Stanwell Smith, I just see the Spirit of God is just on you and he is filling you with peace to bring others peace. God is making you a peacemaker. I see you even uh, within uh, kind of a, a business. I know you work at, at Wyndham College, but you, God has given you a, a ability to bring peace at a corporate level. Able to speak words of peace and whole workplaces change. Jesus, fill her to overflowing, we pray. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Matt Gray, I see God is doing something with your hands. And that and God, I just feel like there's something God's saying, I want you to lay your hands, you know, spoke, spoke of Jesus when he laid his hands on people, he'd make them well. And I just feel there's a sense of God is just calling you, there's, there's gonna, he's going to give you opportunities to lay your hands in a loving, healing way, and you're going to bring transformation to people's lives. Just so that God's going to anoint your hands, as you say, can I pray for you? Can I care for you? I feel there's a sense of compassion and healing. Come, you're going to have a compassionate touch that brings healing to people's lives, both supernaturally and relationally. So Holy Spirit, would you just come right now? Just fill him to overflowing with healing, with compassion, with the touch of heaven. Jesus. Father, we just thank you for your presence. Thank you that you love to be with your people. And Lord, we just want to thank you for all you've done so far. And Lord, I want to thank you that you're not going to stop working just because we sit down and listen for a moment. No, Lord, I want to thank you that the intensity of your presence may increase, Lord, as we listen to your words, that, Lord, you're going to keep working on our hearts and transforming and changing us so that we overflow with the life of Jesus. Lord, would you come and, Lord, make the church everything that you want it to be. Lord, we want to live by your plan, your vision, your heart for us. Lord, nothing less. We don't want to settle, Lord Jesus. So come and help us, I pray, by your spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks, band. Sheila, I just want to say thank you so much for what you shared. That really nailed me. That was, that was just brilliant. Thank you for listening to God and, and stepping and sharing that. That was wonderful. That's great. Okay, if you've got a, a Bible with you, uh, then please turn to Acts chapter 2. We're starting a new series. Um, today, and we're, that's going to be building up uh, towards Christmas times, not long. Who's, anybody got decorations up yet? No, that's okay, B, yeah, P&Q have. Um, <clears throat> so we're starting a new series called Devoted, and that word is taken uh, from the, the, the very verses that we're going to be looking at. So Acts chapter 2 and verse 42 to 47, that's what we're going to be looking at and digging into. Um, over the next few weeks. So it says this, <clears throat> And the church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and 
the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Many hundreds of years ago, uh, before Jesus and uh, uh, the pouring out of the Spirit and the birth of the church ever happened, Isaiah prophesied this. Isaiah 60 verse 1, he said this, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you prophesying of what would happen when Jesus gets hold of the church. And a guy called Alec Matia comments this. He says, Is it, it was not just that the, they would be bathed in light, but they irradiated, inwardly charged with new outshining life. The church, God's people, was meant to be charged with the light and life of Jesus. And so what do we find after these people have given their lives to following Jesus, they've been baptized and filled with the Spirit, what does that kind of community look like? What did they give themselves to? What did the life of Jesus look like in this kind of community? And it gives us one word. It says they devoted themselves. This wasn't just they had a good day. Or this is what they did for a week. No, it said they gave themselves with enduring focus and persistent commitment to these things. And for us as a church, we are wanting to say we want to be devoted like these guys. We want to give ourselves with enduring focus and persistent commitment to these things. That the, the early church, their faith in Christ led to robust, practical, steadfast action that has literally changed the world. Come on. So what does it look like for us to be devoted? What does it look like for us to be a devoted people? What did the early church devote themselves to and what must we, we give ourselves to first? So throughout this series, we're going to be walking through this passage that I've just read and looking at the key things um, that they say. So the first one we're going to look at is this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, as a church, we believe that the gift of apostles is still around today. It's still needed by the church and still functions in the church in a different way to the 12 and to Paul. But Jesus still gives the gift of apostles to the church so they can teach the church the purposes of God. They can establish new churches. They can set good foundations in churches and they can father the leaders and the people of the churches that they start and establish. The apostles are still for today, but that is not where I want to take us this morning. I want to look at the fact that they devoted themselves to the word of God. 
They devoted themselves to the scriptures. They devoted themselves to the Bible. So for us as a church, we will devote ourselves to the scriptures. We believe that the Old and the New Testament is all the truth we need now for our salvation. So if you want to be saved by Jesus, read this. It will tell you how that can come about and what you must do and what he has done for you already. It's about our instruction. Our command will help us to know how to follow Jesus. It corrects us and it trains us. This is all that we need. And so one of our cultural values as a church, as Hope Church, is this. The Bible is our final authority. So we read it. We preach it. We teach it. We explore it. We pray it. We prophesy it. We sing it. It informs our faith. It leads us to repentance. It shapes our leadership, our communal life, our vision, and our mission. The authority of the Bible is a non-negotiable devotion for Hope Community Church. Is it a non-negotiable devotion for you? John Piper writes this. The word of God is meant to be a community treasure. A community event. It should be alive in the fellowship of believers. So I just want to look at what does devotion to the word of God look like? What does that mean for us? So I just want to draw four things and then I'm going to invite you to take this personally and join in in this devotion. So the first one, what does this look like? It looks like we are a Christ-centered people. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to John chapter 5 and verse 37 to 40. And the Father, so this is Jesus speaking to the Pharisees, and the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you. For you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. But it is they that bear witness to me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. If our devotion to the scriptures does not lead us to understand, trust, encounter and follow Jesus, then we're doing it wrong. The key, Jesus is saying, to grasping the scriptures is himself. This is meant to lead you to encountering and loving Jesus. That's what this is all about. That's why it's been given. So we don't just love the Bible. We love what the Bible does. It reveals Jesus. If you you read the last chapter of Luke's gospel, chapter 24, Jesus demonstrates the importance of this in two ways. On the road to Emmaus, two guys are walking away from Jerusalem in utter despair. Jesus has risen from the dead. They know Jesus and they followed him, but they believe he's died and gone forever. 
And Jesus walks alongside them, doesn't reveal that he's alive. And, and, and what he does is he takes them through the Old Testament and shows them that he is the central message and the central point. And he was always meant to come and suffer and be raised from the dead, that this book is all about him. Before he even reveals himself as alive, as resurrected, he reveals himself through the scriptures. I don't think anybody says it better than John Stott, the great Bible teacher. He says this, It seems to me that our greatest need today is an enlarged vision of Jesus Christ. We need to see him. And there is only one way to gain clear, true, lofty views of Christ. And that is through the Bible. The Bible is the prism by which the light of Jesus Christ is broken into its many beautiful colors. The Bible is the portrait of Jesus Christ. We need to gaze upon him with such intensity of desire that by the gracious work of the Holy Spirit, he comes alive to us, meets with us, and fills us with himself. Don't you want that? Don't you want that to be our experience as a church? That we devote ourselves to this and we encounter and see him. So we're a Christ-centered people. Next, we're a witnessing people. Terry Virgo writes this. So fundamental was the spread of the word in the New Testament church that Luke describes the growth of the church in these terms. So in the book of Acts, there are several key points where Luke kind of summarizes what God has done. Let me read you those summaries. So Acts 6 verse 7, and the word of God continued to increase. But the, and then Acts 12, 24. But the word of God increased and multiplied. Acts 19, verse 20, and I love this one. So the word of God continued to increase and prevail mightily. My favorite bit in Acts is when the high council tell the church off. Okay, and this is what they said, and I'd love us to attain to this. This is Acts 5, 27, 28. <clears throat> and when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you before not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. <laughs> It's the same word that a couple of chapters earlier talks about the room being filled with the mighty wind of the Holy Spirit. And in John chapter 12, where Mary breaks um, the precious perfume and anoints Jesus at Bethany, and it talks about the fragrance filling that place. It's the same word. I mean, we've all walked into a room, haven't we, and encountered a fragrance. Might have been a good one, might have been a bad one. But imagine that as, as people walked into Jerusalem, they encountered the fragrance of the word of God. They encountered this... Play, they, these people who are filled with a... I mean, can we just imagine for a moment what that would look like in Wyndham? Can, we, can you just imagine? Imagine that. Lives rooted in the truth of God's word. 
People knowing who God is as Father, Son, and Spirit. Minds being renewed. Hearts soft towards God. Our businesses, our schools, the council meetings, our homes, the pubs, the gyms, our families, our marriages, our parenting, the social work that goes on, our online interactions, the in the aisles of Morrison's, the financial dealings that goes on, property development, and more. They all become places and relationships that are transformed by the word of Christ. Yeah. Well, I would love that. Wouldn't you love that, us to be accused of filling Wyndham with the word of God? <laughs> I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 2.14. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. I would love that for my life. And I know I'm not there yet, but I would love everywhere I go to fill people with the fragrance of Jesus. wherever Wherever we go. And don't we want that as a church? And so to be devoted to the word of God means that it shapes and flavors our speech. It transforms the way we think about how we work and relate and connect. It informs how we talk to others and how we have our relationships, our planet. We want to fill this place with his word. So we're a Christ-centered people. We're witnessing people. We are an obedient people. Question, how does Jesus measure devotion? That's an interesting question, isn't it? How does Jesus measure devotion? Well, John 14, 15 says this. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Obedience to Jesus demonstrates devotion. We don't just hear his word, we live it. And Jesus knows this. Jesus knows this is important because, as James says, obedience guards us from deception. For James 1.22 says this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Because if you're just a hearer, you deceive yourself. And Jesus, at the end of his kind of landmark sermon as a teacher, the Sermon on the Mount, the end, how he finishes it in Matthew 7 is he tells a parable of two guys who both build a house. One builds it on sand, another builds it on rock. Both encounter a storm, but only one one house is left standing. The guy who built his house on a rock, Jesus says, is the guy who hears my word and does what I say. Can your life survive a storm? (laughs) Obedience to his word strengthens us, puts our feet on firm ground. I love (coughs) what 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 say. This is so helpful for us. (coughs) All of scripture is breathed out by God. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every work. If I can use a couple of pictures, this is a gym. 
that trains your, trains your soul, trains your life. So as you read it, as you engage with it, it's like doing weights or on the treadmill. It's training you. It's shaping you. It's molding you. Or it's like a football coach that's got his team together and he starts to take them through drills so that they develop and sharpen the skills they would need in order to play effectively on the pitch. That's what this does to us. As we open our hearts, to it, it shapes us and changes us and molds us to be more like Jesus. The amazing thing about the Acts 2 passage that we started off with is this. Everything that they did came out from this point. That they put into action what they had been taught. So they did miracles and they prayed. And they shared bread and wine with each other and they gave generously. They did all those things. Why? Because they put their word, they put the word into practice. They lived it. Lastly, <clears throat> they were a listening people. We live in a world full of voices. And those voices come at us in so many different ways. And it's always been the case. Humanity has always lived with, in a world with multiple voices telling it multiple different things. Just think of the start, the creation story. How does everything begin? God speaks. And everything comes into being. And humanity was always meant to be designed, defined, directed, and defended by the word of God. God speaks to Adam and Eve at the beginning and says, hey, this is who you are. And this is what I've commanded you to do. Their life was meant to be founded and defended and uh, built upon the word of God. But then Genesis 3 tells us another voice came into the garden. And he began to say something else. And he began to cause them to doubt the words that God had spoken. And so Adam and Eve have a choice. Would they believe the voice of God or would they believe the voice of the satanic serpent? Sadly, they chose to believe another voice rather than God's voice. And so since that moment, humanity has been ensnared and rebelling against the word of God. So what did Jesus come to do? Jesus came to restore to you and I a listening heart. He came to recreate a listening people. So what did Jesus do? On the cross, he took upon himself every moment in which you have listened to the voice of lies and disobeyed the voice of God. He took all that upon himself on the cross. But also on the cross, what did he do? He broke the power of the voice of the enemy. He broke the lies of the enemy and he, he created a new creational people with new hearts. And so now the Christian's natural bias and natural bent is not to dismiss the voice of God, but to listen and hear and obey. That is your natural state as a Christian. It's to hear and know and obey the voice of God. And we see that Jesus does this in an amazing way. So Matthew 4. <clears throat> Matthew 4, the beginning of kind of Jesus' ministry. And what happens just before this is that Jesus gets baptized. 
And what happens at his baptism? God speaks to him, doesn't he? And he says, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And then what happens in an almost identical kind of uh, moment to the Garden of Eden, Jesus is led into the wilderness. It says this in Matthew 4. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the Son of God. That is a direct challenge to the voice of God over Jesus' life. And he says, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered him, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus lived with a constant ear to the Father's voice. And a constant ear to what the Father had already (coughs) spoken. And so what does Jesus do? He shares his heart and his life with us. We are now a listening people through Christ's work in us. And so what does Jesus say in John chapter 10? He says, I am the good shepherd and the sheep hear my voice. We are a listening people. But how did Jesus and the early church listen? They did it in two ways. First, they listened to what God had already said. So when Jesus was countering the temptation of the devil, what does he say? It is written. Jesus lived by and was immersed in the scriptures, the written word of God. Fleming Rutledge says this, Jesus' mind and heart were shaped by continuous, intimate interaction with the scriptures. (laughs) So it's no wonder the early church did the same. They listened. They listened. And for us, in our day and age, we need to learn to put noise-canceling headphones on to every other voice and give time and energy to listening to what God has already said. And so that's why on a Sunday morning, we give a big chunk to preaching and teaching what God has already said. And as life groups and as families and all those things, I want to encourage you, give time and space to what God has already said so that we might listen to him. But also, I don't know if you noticed, God, when Jesus was baptized, God spoke over Jesus. We need to not just listen to what God has already said, but what God is saying. So Sheila, this morning, hey, I've got this picture. God is speaking, and I want to share that to encourage you and build you up and strengthen you and draw you near so that you can encounter Jesus and what he is saying. And it's been my experience through many years, and I'm sure we could probably, there's probably plenty of stories in this, that God's, God often speaks in a beautiful, profound way in the moment through his written word. I could give you story after story of when God has either spoken to me personally or he has, used, he has spoken to me scriptures and other things to bless and encourage others. This is the primary tool for prophetic hearing of God's voice. 
And so I want to encourage you, when you're in a meeting or when you're in life group or when you're at home or when you're in Morrison's or whatever, ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? Or Holy Spirit, what are you saying through your word in this moment in time? And what often happens to me is this, is I will get a book, I will get a chapter, I will get a verse. So uh, what I shared at the beginning while I was just inviting the Holy Spirit, God spoke to me, said Romans 15.30, overflow. And so I shared what God spoke to me. And God can use you to do the same. Let's be a listening people. So I just want to conclude. And I want to conclude with this question. Do you want to join the mall? Next slide, okay? It's been a weekend of rugby, hasn't it? I don't know if that's the kind of thing that you're into, but I remember uh, I got into the rugby team. I don't even know how I got into the rugby team at school, but I found myself in the rugby team. And I remember playing a game. We travelled, I think, to Norwich to play another high school. And uh, I remember my friend Chris Smith got the ball, and he ran at the opposition, and he got he got hit, he got held, and there was that, and I was like one of the nearest guys next to him, and I remember that moment. I had, kind of had to ask myself, do I want to join in at this moment in time? Do I want to join the mall? Because I was like, and part of me was like, I really don't want to, because this could hurt, and. And I could see Chris's face. He was holding onto the ball really tight. And the defense was pushing against him. And suddenly loads of our team started joining with Chris as he held the ball. And I said, okay. And so I just kind of got in and I stuck my, kind of my shoulders in. I started pushing. And other guys came in behind me and started pushing in. And we started to take ground and push the defense back. I think that's a great picture of what a church looks like that's devoted That it's not one or a few people really pushing. Actually, everybody's saying, I am going to join that mall. I'm going to push. I'm going to hold. I'm going to be strengthened and pushed by others behind me. I'm going to give myself to advancing the kingdom of God and taking ground. And the only way we can do it, friends, is if we do it together. Do you want to join the mall? Do you want to get connected and push together and be strengthened and hold and communicate? For that is the only way we're going to be devoted to his word is if we do it together. If we are going to be devoted to his word, it means I need to be devoted to his word. So I want to just give you a few things that's going to help you to do that. And then we're just going to pray together. So next slide, please. First one is this. Get honest. Get honest. If you struggle to regularly read the scriptures, just admit it. Be honest about it. If you struggle when you read this and you you give time and you read it and you just think, I have no idea what that means. Admit it, that's okay. Be honest. You do not need to hide anything Jesus can already see. And you know what? Uh, I love this phrase. I can't remember who it's by, but a guy who said this, the real you needs to meet the real God. 
So be honest about where you're at. And then Jesus will come and help you take the next step. Not the mighty leap, the next step. Be honest about where you are. We can only start to grow from where we are. The next one is get hungry. I love this from Jeremiah 15, 16. He says this, Your words were found and I ate them. (laughs) Your words became to me a joy and a delight of my heart. I remember several key moments in my life where God gave me an insatiable appetite for the word of God. I remember staying up late. I I don't know to what time I kind of got to bed, just being in my bedroom, just reading and pouring over and searching the scriptures. There was something about it that just, it was like being at an all-you-can-eat buffet, but I never got full. Get hungry. And if you just have zero appetite for the word of God, ask God to make you hungry. He'll do it. He'll make you hungry. So get hungry. Next one is get help. Reading scripture is a growing process and it requires persistence. Jesus says this, I will send you a helper, the spirit of truth, and he will lead you into all truth. So the best help we could ever get when we read this is to say, and I do this, say, Holy Spirit, please help me in this moment. Lead me into truth. Get help. But also get help from people in the church. There are people here that have been reading the Bible probably twice as long as I've been alive. They know it better than, you know, anything. And get ask them. And at some point we're going to have uh, a stand either in the foyer or in here that will have books and tools and other things. Take a book. Learn from it. Let it feed you and help you to know how to get get. Um, scripture, listen to podcasts, books, videos. And let me just say this, no question is off limits. You do not have to feel like a fraud. Just ask and keep asking. So I just want to say this. If you've got a question about something I've said this morning, email me or come and find me. Just come, I don't mind. Just come find me. I'd love to talk about it. Get help. Next thing is this, get habitual. Your soul is like your body. It needs regular meals. So we need to develop good habits and times because, I don't know if you know this, but as humans, we are created to develop and be formed by habits. Did you relearn how to walk this morning? No, why? Because you've learned the habit. Did you have to retake your driving test and driving lessons in order to drive here this morning? No. Why? Because you've learned the habit of driving. You can learn the habit. Some of you might, uh, some of you might need to retake your driving. No, no. Maybe I, I don't. No, we won't go there. We won't go there. Uh-uh. Um, you can learn the lifelong habit of enjoying God's word. You are created to develop habits. And so it is possible for you to have a habitual lifestyle of enjoying the word of God. And let me say this, habits are best shaped by determined goals. So set a plan. Set a plan. And lastly, get happy. Get happy. So let me just read you a quote to finish and then we'll, um, then we'll, we'll pray. 
So George Mueller, this guy lived devoted to the word of God. He says this, the first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord. That does not sound like boring Christianity to me. So the most important thing I had to do was to give myself to the reading of the word of God and to meditation on it, that thus my heart might be comforted, encouraged, warned, reproved, instructed, and that thus while meditating my heart might be brought into experimental communion with the Lord. If you want to get happy in God, chew on this. Let's stand together. What I'd like you to do is I'd like you to, where you can, just hold hands with the people nearest to you. We're going to do this as a joining the mall moment, okay? <clears throat> so let's just pray. So join hands where you can. That's great. So Father God, I want to thank you for the life of Jesus that you have put within us. I want to thank you. You have tra changed us and transformed us as saints. You've given us your heart. And so, Lord, we just want to say together, we are going to devote ourselves to your word. Yeah. We are going to join them all. We are going to add our devotion to this family. And together, we're going to see this place filled with your word and your goodness. For the glory and pleasure of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.